Hi, my name is Andre, and you're listening to Krakbau. Krakbau is a podcast about underground musicians based here in Berlin, recorded at Pedalmart. And today's guest is Alex. Alex plays in multiple bands. He is a recording engineer, and um, he recently also started a YouTube channel highlighting sort of underground musicians also here uh, in Berlin. Um, we talk about recording, uh, the process of recording, um, his approach to recording. We talk about um, his roots, how um, he started playing music when he was based um, in Cyprus. And we talk about his experience writing a solo album and also playing with Sostas Frenas. All right, let's get into it. So I'm here with Alex uh, from MPTMK, from um, Freno Comion, from Solastas Frenas. He is a recording engineer, um, multi-instrumentalist, musician, um, a guitar player, an awesome person all around. Hi, yeah. Alex. Thank you. Hi. Yeah. Thank you for having me, man. 
and we just listened to Karma. No, I think it was a bullet from MPTMK that was released uh, just earlier uh, this year, twenty two thousand twenty three, on in March. Um, cool. Um, welcome. Yeah, thank you. Well, <laughs> you said all three names like MPTMK, Frenogomi, and Sasas. I was like, I, I, it's the first time I'm hearing all three of them in a row like this, and right. I'm realizing. What a bad idea. <laughs> I think, They're unpronounceable names. I think it, it's becoming a shtick. Kind of, yeah. Really. Like, like, I think, yeah, there is something. It's to, a thing. It's a thing. It's totally. like, uh, whatever I do, it's just people can't pronounce anyway. So whatever. Yeah. So people actually invest extra effort into like being able to. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And the names kind of make sense, especially Sasa's friends. Like I've had a lot of people, like the first couple of times they, they read it, it's like, what is, it's just like a bunch of letters together. They don't really make sense. But then it makes more sense in a lot of proper names, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I struggled with, with that one for sure. Um, so, so Astas Frenas, um, we've had, we've had your uh, vocalist, Nate, in the first episode. And this is sort of more emo violence, screamo band. And what we were listening to right now is your solo stuff. This is uh, MPTMK. Um, and this is the record that you, you recorded all by yourself, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, like, exactly. Everything. I played everything, recorded everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, just uh, overall time I spent on it wasn't too long, to be honest. Right. It was just some ideas I had, some lyrics I, I, I wrote like a few years ago that were just sitting around, um, some guitar parts I wrote. So, yeah, uh, overall, like, I think it was at most two studio sessions and then i just did everything i mean it's not that long like um the actual full ep it's only like nine minutes long or something mm. but still um yeah just kind of short and straight to the point like i didn't really like repeating parts and stuff yeah. like this yeah um how um did the project start it's not it's not exactly new right you've been writing music solo for a while now no yeah um the whole project, like MPTMK, um, started off. That's it was originally called Frenokomion, uh, oh, and then I realized that, and it started off as a noise project that I, I was like, kind of like orchestrated noise. So I was like, I make, I was making like weird noise layers with different uh, pedals and uh, guitar parts, taking my like my top three favorite albums, playing them at the same time, mm. uh, taking the reverb from that, distorting it, like few times multiple times and then uh yeah um and then it, that was already called Frenokomion mm. and then I realized that's a better uh name for like a label or some kind of collective some other project mm. uh and then nobody cares about it anyway so I just changed the name mm. uh to something that is even worse <laughs> and uh it's just like a way for me to just release music without really caring about it that much like my main project is Sasas Frenas that's where I put most of my creative effort the MPTMK is like the afterthought or if I'm like going through some stuff that's you know it's just like just another channel you know yeah um nice and uh is this the 2020 record the one that you recorded with uh 2020 that's uh that is the layers of noise right. well, it was like I had a bunch of albums playing at the same time and then I kind of like <clears throat> it was most like an editing job 
um just getting the different parts and putting them together and like doing the sequencing post uh mm -hmm. just yeah um and then ptmk uh sorry like uh the new ep karma um i think that was um just a bunch of ideas that i had from way before um and it's i had a very weird writing process with this one because i was at the studio one day uh that was supposed to record a band they called in sick so i had the studio to myself one day and i already had uh all the microphones set up and everything so like you know what fuck it let's just I don't know, just play and record it. And uh, I was actually just playing along to like a few of my favorite songs, just like just to warm up. And I was recording it uh, and then just played a couple ideas on my own. And that same day, I, I, I realized, hey, this is a, like I took a song from uh, took a part from uh, Jane Doe by Converge, like the, the song that's like really jumpy. And I was like, this, this will be like really cool just as, a, as its own drum part. Uh, and then I re I went into my phone. I had like old lyrics written there, and I recorded the lyrics over that without any guitar parts or whatever. Uh, so it's it's kind of like working backwards. Uh, and then I went home, and then I wrote the guitar parts over it. And then yeah, it was just like a matter of sequencing after that. And then so that's the actual written like me writing the music. And then I realized this sounds a little bit too edited. You know, it's not like really real. So I went to the studio another time and I actually like I learned the parts the way I edited them on Pro Tools and then I I played them, re-recorded them. Mm. Uh, but it still it sounded too real at that point and like and really weird in a very weird way uh, because I got used to how edited the previous part sounded. So I kind of mixed the like the two and I kept some parts like really edited and like some weird glitchy jumps where it goes from one rhythm to the next without like any notices. And then, yeah, uh, working backwards, sometimes it works. I yeah, don't know. totally. Uh, yeah. In general, I would say we also recorded an EP uh, for Dead Rest with you. And I, I really like your sort of approach to recording and in general sort of treating, yeah, treating the capture as its own sort of form of art. And this, this is really cool. Um, Thank you. You want to talk maybe a little bit about sort of you as a recording engineer, mm -hmm. where you stand, what's your philosophy, what what sort of you are interested in? Yeah, approach? sure. Uh, so for the recording part, it's just just capture the moment, just capture what uh, the musicians are doing. Um, I'm not really big into editing or doing takes over and over again until you get the perfect take. Like. For example, our album with Sasas Finesse, we did that. The drums were all one take, I think. Mm. Not exactly. Like, there were a couple songs where I had to do twice, but that's it. Like, and I didn't really comp them that much. Um, really. Uh, Nate did the entire album in one take. We just left it running. He just did it. Um, guitars and bass took a little bit more time because just because there's, I don't know, three guitars at some point. Um, but yeah, um, overall, it's just captured the energy for you guys as well. Like, we didn't really do that many takes, if I remember. Uh, you weren't at the drum takes. No, uh, I wasn't. You, yeah, you had Corona. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Um, 
but yeah it's pretty much the same philosophy you know like hey i think that was good enough uh let's not fuck around too much because then everybody gets tired everybody gets bored yeah burned out maybe they start doubting themselves uh and it's usually the first two if you don't get in the first two takes then it's gonna suck you know like not gonna get better than that so my number one thing is be very well rehearsed or at least feel what you're playing if you're not gonna be rehearsed at least feel make sure the music that you play comes from like the right place um and then my job is just to put microphones around you and make sure that gets captured in a nice and artsy way i guess yeah uh same with mixing i don't do i don't do that much uh there's barely any processing going on uh i mostly work with groups uh so like i don't treat individual drum parts it's just like i treat the drums and the bass together lots of distortion obviously there's always there's there can't be enough distortion and then you distort the drums and the bass together then everything together in the master and then like a few times like uh for one project i think i had over nine different steps of distortion Mm. and it it still sounds great like it's just i think it was for mptmk it was for karma it was like and you can hear it yeah it's like uh, it, it was actually a very hi-fi recording like it was too good it was too clean and i kind of made it worse but it, that's the vibe i was going for anyway so yeah that's that's the thing you know yeah it's all about the energy the vibe the emotions and uh it's not about the perfect take the i would perfect try- room or the perfect yeah yeah the, the, yeah the room yeah like really like we could do an album in here you know there's like no soundproofing or anything you yeah. know but you know I feel like we could do it. I mean, hell, we did it in your rehearsal room. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also known as the comb filter room. Yeah, the comb filter room, honestly. It's crazy. <laughs> Flutter echoes and everything in there. Yeah. Uh, how did you get into recording? Um, was it sort of, um, were, you, were you interested in music first and then you sort of got into recording because you had to? Or was there some other story there? Yeah. Um, I was already doing music for some time. Uh, I was in my old band spoiled and somebody had to do the recording for right. it. It just, it was out of necessity. Um, but I liked it. It's not like, you know, um, and because I, I kept doing it, I was like, okay, might as well. Like it's the hobby. I could turn it into a profession at some point, I guess. Um, and then I ended up studying it and I fell in love with it, you know, and like the little, it's a it's a mixture of science and art and and that kind of sums up my whole life it's like doing art but from a technical perspective like going at it and i don't know how to explain this yeah but, no you know, it makes sense yeah um and that was it basically it's just like it started out of necessity we, we went to a couple studios in cyprus uh to do our old songs our first songs with the band and we weren't happy with some aspects like this one guy like really wanted to overproduce us and thought we're going to be like i don't know pearl jam or something like Mm. his words Mm. um and we didn't want that then this other guy he he was great honestly like i think the band ended up going there twice um first like various projects but um he was great because he had like this hands-off approach he was like okay you pay me i just set up the microphones i record the files and send them over to you which is like really it was impersonal uh but at the same time he was like very nice um 
but yeah like we couldn't we had like such a very specific sound in mind and we couldn't get it with anybody at the time um and now that i'm in this band so it's like i have a very specific sound in mind and i kind of i have the know-how how to get it you know yeah and yeah out of necessity but yeah. also you're sort of you're enjoying it you're treating oh it yeah, as, yeah, yeah as definitely yeah, form, yeah yeah obviously yeah yeah it's yeah. um it is an art form yeah and uh and that's why i think i'm not this i'm not so technical when it comes to it it's like drums for example I'll, i'm only going to put four microphones on on mm -hmm. the drums i don't like more than that because it doesn't add anything to me it's like uh the drummer's beating the shit out of the drums that's all i need you know like he is not he like the, the drummer can be like really putting all of their love and effort and energy and emotions into their drumming and i get like that those emotions get transferred over to me when i put those microphones and i listen back to it later and I, it's just my i just need to amplify it and like showcase it more you know yeah it's also i mean what why i decided to ask that question because i think also a lot of um a lot of musicians nowadays because they have access to the box to the to the laptop right and to the to the audio interface um i feel like there is this concept that everything has to be recorded a super clean b in the box using whatever um post-processing afterwards you know neural dsp or whatever all that stuff and uh, sort of pristine and it comes from i don't know maybe it comes from the sort of uh, the pop producers like i don't know billy Eilish and stuff um they record in the box and they sound great um and it's all fine and good and also from the sort of gent community when you do need sort of precision and you know high accuracy and so on um and also you know from the fact that it's very hard to find the room to record in with giant amps and also practice there and also rehearse and also but i think a giant thing that is missing in a lot of those recordings for me is the person understanding the amp, the person understanding, you know, that it's like this interplay between the tools the person uses and uh, the playing is not there when you play into the whatever IR mm -hmm. cab sim. Yeah, yeah, it's different. It's different. Like, um... so that's a weird one. Because it, it obviously depends on what you're doing. If you're going to be doing gent or yeah. Billy Eilish stuff, you know, yeah. I don't think it could be anything but in the box. Exactly. You know, like when you, you need that precision, when you need to like get across this point. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, that doesn't. But for me, I don't know. Like gent, I'm not a big fan of it. Right. Yeah. For me, it's emotionless music. It's great technically. Like if you can play that shit, great. Honestly, like uh, go for it. You know. Uh, but for me, I feel like if I had like a studio with a tape recorder in it, you know, and and a gent band came over to me and they're like, yeah, we want to do our album. I'll be like, you're at the wrong place, man. Like, really, I, I you know, I don't think I can do this. I, I don't know how to make it. I don't know how to make you sound good, you know, because uh, I come from a very different perspective, a very different world, you know, and okay yeah there's a challenge there's like the challenge aspect of it you know we're like yeah maybe i can make them sound great you know or whatever or make them sound more real or more whatever but i I don't i don't think i'll be on being being honest with myself or them you know 
Uh, and it's weird. Like I, I wouldn't shit on in the box mixes or doing stuff in the box because I do no. that as well. And to be honest, yeah. I had like a little recording, not recording, mixing setup at home with a proper uh, mixing console and everything, outboard gear and whatever. And then there's projects where, you know, you have to go back and forth. Yeah. And you're usually running multiple projects at the same time. So every single time I, I got to spend an hour just to recall the console and all the settings and like just to bring it back to where it was the last time mm. I worked on it just so I can move the base up by half a decibel mm. just so I can print it again. You know, like when you're, yes, there's a certain romance to it. And uh, if you love the process and you're going to do that, and I, I still do, I still want to do this. But um, it's a it's a time thing. I feel like you know, and yeah. also most people don't pay for that time. You know, like you're gonna get paid for a mix. Uh, most people aren't gonna be paying for the two hours it took you to recall every single time. You know, yeah, or like all the small kind of stuff. No, I'm I'm more yeah. I guess um, just to clarify, I it, I think it's totally fine to record into your interface and then mix everything. Oh yeah, there, yeah, if it works for for the music, if it works for the music, and if it's the only thing you have yeah. like that's the most important thing like if you have nothing else you don't need to go buy tens of thousands of dollars or no. euros like worth of equipment to you know record your music yeah. if we live in the 21st century you can literally do it on your phone if you want and it's still it's going to sound way better than anything did in the 90s you know yeah and that's my point i think my point is more it's okay to not be afraid to experiment with recording techniques even without oh, yeah. expensive gear. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. okay to, you know, get a tiny little speaker and put, put your phone next to it mm -hmm. and, and do the recording this way. Because sometimes uh, I feel like, especially in sort of uh, uh, more aggressive, noisier bands, um, and specifically in Berlin, I don't know, just our experience so far has been... Um, it's all professional studios that are going to record you very well, but it's going to be all very, very clean. You yeah. Know? Everything yeah, yeah. is going to be perfect and they're going to position the mics perfectly and everything's going to be, you know, really crisp, but also not what we are looking for a lot of the times. And that's, I guess that's more my, my point is that not necessarily buying gear, but experimenting with different recording techniques, um, uh, recording in different rooms with different speakers um, and just seeing what kind of, sound even if it's harsh even if it's noisy and things um if you can work with it and if it works for your music because oftentimes it works better for i don't know a lot of for example punk and hardcore music that sometimes i hear that is recorded pristinely very 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 good um so yeah i guess yeah once again it, it depends on the references yeah that, like the, the the musicians bring uh over and yeah, that's the thing. As long don't waste your time on gear or, you know, like if you're gonna have a twenty hour budget in a studio, don't waste it doing gear. Waste it on like waste it on takes. You know, like make sure you have the perfect takedown or I don't know, rehearse those ten hours, like ten of those hours, and then record for ten of those hours. And it doesn't matter where the microphone was, like I barely like when I put microphones on like a drum kit or something, I'm, I'm, I rarely go back and move them. Not because I'm like some God that knows the exact position of the microphone that, you know, like in space time I can move it, you know, or whatever. No, it's just because I don't care. Yeah. 
you know, it's it still sounds great, whatever I do. Okay, I check for phase. That's the one thing I check. That's very important. But apart from that, and okay, okay, don't get me wrong, because I did study this, and then I know a couple of my friends from uni are going to hear this, and then <laughs> I'm going to get some very angry texts. <laughs> it matters, right? Yeah, okay, it does yeah, matter, yeah. right? You can move the microphone capsule by, I don't know, one nanometer, and it's going to change the sound completely, whatever. I don't care about that, really. All I care about is I'm going to set the microphones down and uh, strike while the iron is hot. You know, like when the drummer is ready to go, don't fuck with it. Just let them do their thing. If it sounds like shit later, then okay, whatever, you fucked up. But uh, Perform performance is what matters. Performance is what matters. And time, yeah. 95% of the time, you can't fuck it up. Yeah. No matter how you place the microphones, how bad, you know, like that. If you have the performance down, you're good. I, I think also to your point, uh, what can mess with it even more is maybe a recording engineer interrupting you every... 15 minutes to replace the microphones or redo something and then the energy is not there and then oh, yeah. the day is wasted. And yeah, yeah, really. Um, so th that's a dilemma I've had for something that I want to record in the future. Um, is it, do I go to a studio, like to another recording engineer, like a proper studio to do it? Or do I do it myself again? And I was talking to a friend about it and we kind of realize that the first day you're at a studio, say you like you book the studio for like three or four days. The first day is almost always just sound checks, you know, like placing the microphones, getting the sound right for the album or the EP or whatever. And then I realized that I don't care. I don't want to waste that one day on sound checks because we recorded with our, with Sasa Frenas, our entire album in our rehearsal room, you know, like, and we just placed microphones there and just played, you know. Um, it's the two extremes. Um, there's, of course, the perfect middle ground where you just, like, you still do this sound check thing. You still spend some time on it. I mean, get a good sound out of it, obviously. But, come on, don't, don't be that guy, I think, where you just, every, I don't know, 30 seconds, you know, like you stop the recording or whatever, you know, like, and then you go back and move the microphone by like half an inch mm. and then go back and then move it again. It's like, no, it's not perfect. Mm. And then just, just do it. Just, yeah. just play. That's, that's all I can say to that, you know? Yeah. I think it was in my head because I was hearing or reading about uh, the Prince recording philosophy and he was like that. He, yeah, exactly. He, yeah. It's like, whatever, the microphone didn't work, the channel strip didn't work, the mixer was broken at the time we recorded that's it it stays you know we need to move on we cannot dwell on that take forever you know the performance is there no matter how bad it that's is that's literally it's uh, it's the same thing on, with yeah. um again the stooges raw power uh the first mix uh iggy did it and it sucked apparently he had like oh however channels i think 12 16 channel uh multi-track mixer and he only used three channels and it was like really weirdly panned and everything that was the first version and everybody hated it but the performance was there you know and like you know like it still sound great and i think david bowie remixed it and then iggy re remixed it again uh but for me it's like one of my favorite albums of all time and the performances are there they're incredible it's like that album goes hard you know but you know they just didn't care about the mix or the recording i guess and for me that sums it up, you know.
Yeah. All about the performance. Yeah. Um, you want to listen to another song? Sure. Yeah. Let's go for it. Yeah, short songs. Yeah, it's like try not to have any repeating parts. Short and sweet. Yeah. Um, let's maybe talk about the musician side of you. How did you start playing music in general? What got you into music? Uh, I always wanted to be a drummer. Right. Uh, but I grew up in an apartment or multiple apartments, like different apartments, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so I couldn't. Uh, so I just uh, learned how to play guitar. Yeah. Uh, and I want to start like you know like start start playing like punk stuff or I guess pop punk because it was Green Day and Blink and you know and then I went deeper down the rabbit hole into like actual actual punk yeah and uh, now I just play screamo emo violence and like weird noisy music yeah yeah but like uh, with other instruments I I I I got a bass guitar um. Like when I was, I want to say 14, mm-hmm. 13, 14. And I loved it really because it's like playing drums, but guitar, you know, mm. uh, oversimplified, yes. But um, uh, drums, I've, mm, uh, I didn't really ever own a drum kit. I had like an E kit back, back at home that I played like once. A month or something a little mm-hmm. bit more than that um but I, I never really learned and i like i just wanted something to like beat the shit out of yeah and um i was just like I, it's weird with me and music it's like uh, i kind of get bored by the easy songs not saying like oh well hardcore whatever it's like i just get very easily bored um so i just learned the hardest songs i could think of at the time and that kind of like really helped actually it's like go from zero to 100 um you do skip a lot of steps like i don't know any basic music theory Mm -hmm. i don't know how to read uh music theory um like um yeah uh everything's self-taught obviously um how how was it um in your hometown or wherever you were growing up um how were your parents reacting to it and how was the community there musicians friends 
parents uh very supportive yeah that's cool um any any musicians in the family not really mm -hmm. uh technically my mom used to play the piano when she was a kid right. uh and that's about it you know my dad i think always wanted to learn how to play guitar um but he was forced to learn another instrument uh so i, th I feel like he projected like, that yeah it. exactly yeah. yeah you know when i told him that i want to learn how to play an instrument like he i think you know kind of like pushed for it you know mm. um very supportive they drove me my parents drove me and my friends to all of our shows uh all of our gear you know playing loud amplifiers and stuff in our house um yeah that was fun uh very supportive and i thank them very much for this um the scene Oh man, uh, there's nothing really. It was just me and my bandmates and just three, four friends that used to come to our shows. We have to say where. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, I grew up in Limassol, Cyprus, right. uh, and there's really, or there was, I don't know about now, but there was no scene at the time, especially for like punky stuff that we were doing. There's like a lot of metalheads there, a lot of like Metallica cover bands, and mm -hmm. you know, like this old dad rock stuff you know like yeah. no offense to anybody that likes metallica you know i don't don't take it personally mm -hmm. uh but yeah um so we're like the new kids you know like 15 years old you know full of energy uh and we're just playing shows like uh teaching literally teaching kids how to mosh uh and yeah that we kind of created a weird scene there uh just a bunch of you know kids from our schools um they used to come to our shows. Uh, and so that was, uh, when did the Spoiled start? Yeah, that was Spoiled. That was, uh, Spoiled started in summer 2015, I want to say. So yeah. we're 15 years old, basically, right. going to 16. Uh, and we did a lot of stuff for 15, 16-year-olds, you know, like uh, we played a lot of shows, um, you know, recorded songs, played in like a couple different cities you know like it, it was fun um and that's uh we had like this weird ethos like uh you know like black flag and henry Rollins. you know we're number one so like just wanted to keep that grind up and uh i still at least still have like this mindset because mm. those are formative years and i feel like um i don't think that's something that can go away with me at least it's like uh we're so active then and I still want to be active right now and in terms of music and everything that I do and still have like this, you know, punk rock attitude to stuff like um, uh, politics aside, you know, like just just be a decent human being, just like, you know, like, or I try to be at least and then like just do stuff, you know, like don't stop doing stuff, you know, um, just be creative and nobody can tell you that you can't be creative. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, how what was the story with Spoiled? I know um, you toured quite a bit. Um, not me. No? Um, I had some stuff that I had to do at the time, like right. uh, not to get political. We have like compulsory army service in Cyprus, and I was there at the time. Um, the boys, uh, basically, basically, Mark, our drummer now in Sasas Frenas, and Steph, our guitarist in Spoiled, uh, they did a lot of the shows. Mm. Chris, our bassist now also played bass for some of those shows yeah they were pretty you know uh, i rejoined the band when i 
moved to Berlin, mm-hmm. uh, basically. Uh, and we had some things lined up. We're writing new songs. Um, we had like a couple tours planned here and there. Like we had something, a bunch of shows planned for East Coast US and a few, or I want to say four or five shows in the works for Europe. Mostly open for Portrayal of Guilt in Paris. That's like the biggest one. And uh, show in Romania, a couple shows in Germany, stuff like this, you know. Um, and then Corona hit. Mm. And that's, that was basically the end of the band. Mm. Um, Steph moved back to Cyprus. And uh, I don't think he's doing music anymore. All right. Yeah. But yeah, um, it, we took a break, basically. Uh, just because it, it hit us hard, right? Like, we had just released our EP... We planned like this big tour with like some of our favorite bands, especially like the U.S. tour was with all of our favorite bands and people that we call friends through the Internet, obviously. But, you know, uh, and then it just get can- got canceled because of Corona. Uh, we lost our rehearsal room here in Berlin because turns out there was a meth lab in the basement. Yeah. Um, and then it just it hit us, hit us hard. Uh, so, um yeah, Steph moved back to Cyprus, and then we kind of basically called it quits with the band. And then the reincarnation of the band, to some degree, is Sasas Frenas, because it's uh, three of the same members, but we have a new vocalist, Nate, who was uh, here like on this podcast before. Um, and yeah, uh, but in completely different songs. Um, yeah. yeah. New name, obviously. <laughs> harder name yeah went from a really easy name like spoiled <laughs> like and we're the i think we're like the first one to do like we had it since 2015 or i guess the guys because i joined like chris and steph had this band from before and yeah um yeah i joined when i was like in 2015 chris and steph had the band from like i guess when they were like 12 or something i don't know yeah uh so we're like the first to have the name spoiled as a band which right. I'm going to go on record and say, I think it's a pretty bad name. <laughs> I don't know why. I think I'm it's not, a good name, but yeah. I don't think Sasa Sfraz is any better, but like, yeah. I don't know. It's just, yeah, as you said, it's my thing at this point. Just have really bad names for stuff. <laughs> right. And Sasa Sfraz then. Um, I mean, you, you've been super productive. Um, it took you, what, a year to, to release pretty much a full length? Less than a year. Less than a we year. Started actually writing songs in i want to say either february or march and then november 3rd or 4th we recorded the album yeah so less than a year and it was like ready and mixed by early december yeah uh and released it january 6th so like less than a year we put out a 20 something minute album and we're ready like working on new stuff we already have like two and a half songs basically uh, that we play live whenever we do. Um, and yeah, I'm excited, like uh, really productive. I don't know, like we rehearse twice a week. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I wish it was more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's my, it's, I'm essentially doing this shit full time at this point. 
yeah. uh, at least mentally like i uh, won't stop thinking about the band and uh trying to do things for the band or like trying to book shows art um just thinking of different ways i can promote it you know mm. yeah yeah nice um right let's do another song then yeah So that was God Only Wants to See You from MPTMK EP Karma. No, I think it was a bullet. Um, let's talk about Frenokomion. What is it? All right, Frenokomion uh, is, well, me, basically, <laughs> and everything I do. Uh, it's a recording, mixing studio. Uh, I record in this, like I rent studio from this guy. That's where I do the recordings and all the mixing stuff. I do my home studio. Uh, but it's also like a label where I release my own music or if a friend, you know, like I have some products coming up where I'm going to be releasing some of my friend stuff and also do cassettes. Um, I already did some for my band, and I have some new stuff coming up. Um, I think I can say right now but uh it's with a friend from another country um i might be doing the tapes for them but for europe nice yeah um and we'll see yeah hopefully that works out but it's all for fun obviously it's like a professional thing but it's uh it's also like i turned my hobby into my profession yeah so you know yeah and that's it you also do a series of videos yeah, yeah, I do uh, like a live session thing. Um, it's at the studio that I rent. Um, and it's just, yeah, just a way to promote the local scene. Um, yeah. I want this to expand to like local live shows as well. I already posted a video just yesterday. Some friends of mine uh, who played live for like the first time in three and a half years. 
and uh, me and my friend decided to like film it and record the audio and just make a video out of it, you know, just to show the world, you know, like, hey, this is my scene in Berlin. Um, these are my friends. They do, they make cool music. And I'm happy to be the guy that documents it and, you know, shows the world, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was your experience with all of that? Um, especially, like, you're diving into so many things. You're doing video, you're doing recording. Um how is your sort of feeling from all of that? Um, very tired. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah. Really a lot of things. The audio part, that's the easiest for me. That's really nothing. Uh, it's that sec second na nature to me. So like, um, yeah, it, it, it was weird getting the vi video stuff um, figured out because I'm not a videographer. Yeah. I, I don't know the first thing about cameras. All I know is like, it's this. I try to apply the same logic as I do with audio, which is like, I'm capturing the moment um, and the energy, and it worked. It worked out so far, and yeah. I'm glad because I don't have the best camera gear, and I don't want the best camera gear either. Like, um, I don't know. I feel like it, it's. It comes back to this um, discussion we had for about the in the box stuff. You know, like. Sometimes if you're shooting at 60 FPS, 4K, you lose all, all of the, I don't know, emotion, you know, you lose the romance aspect of it, you know, like yeah. there's a place for that stuff, you know. Yeah. Or you have to know how to process it afterwards, degrade it. Or exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you can do that. Of course, I don't like. It's a thing. In yeah, I just, I just get the file from the SD card and I just cut it up and that's a, the most I'll do. Maybe I'll turn it into black and white because... I don't know how to color correct stuff, yeah. you know, like I, I used to do this a lot more years ago, but at, at the same time, it's not my job, right? Like, uh, I just want to get the energy out there. My job is just to do audio. So I may always make sure the audio is at the best it can be. And then the video for me is second. And then they both kind of complement each other anyway. Um, and yeah, it's just, I guess it is tiring at the same time. I've been doing this media stuff for so long that uh, it's second nature. So even if it's a video thing and I'm excited to like dive into something that I don't really know that much about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe in closing, um, what's coming up for you? What's coming up for MPTMK, for Sastas Frenas, for Freno Comion? Long list. Yeah. Uh, for me. Well, well, I have uh, just recordings at the studio. Um, Can people hit you up? Do you want people to hit you up? Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you looking for also? so Yeah, I'm looking for... Um, okay, so... Right, wait, wait. Let's do this backwards. All right, so easy stuff out of the way. So, Asas we're going to be playing a show June 10th uh, in Berlin with... Uh, two very very big screamo bands right now. Uh, I don't know. I guess by the time this gets uh released, I don't know we're when, gonna announce when it. it comes out. But yeah, yeah, we're gonna be announcing it. So it's uh, Nouvelle Oscura and uh, this band called from Sweden. I think they're Swedish. Called Parapas to Fortpate or, well, it's three unpronounceable names on the bill. Sasas pronounced Nouvelle Oscura and Parapas to Fortpate. Okay, excellent. So you have nothing to you know like lose. Just come to the show. Um. I'm sure you're all, you're going to see a flyer somewhere. Um, 
MPTMK, I'm not going to be doing anything for the next three years once again. You know, like, <laughs> I did the first thing in 2020 during, like, the first lockdown. I'm going to tempt you into doing something. I- I'm down. I'm down. Like, uh, I say this now, but, like, I see myself in, like, a month burning out from everything else that I do and just locking myself up in the room, just doing some weird noisy shit. Just once your to-do list grows long enough, you're just like, stop, <laughs> stop doing anything. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> And then, uh, so again, then to Franco Mion, I do, uh, I have like a few video sessions coming up. Um, I, it's just, we need to schedule them. Scheduling is the worst part. And especially when I'm renting a studio from somebody else, like I need to work around, uh, the people that I'm recording and then the, the guy that owns the place and the people he's recording. Um, yeah, I'm always looking for people to record, especially if you make cool music. Um, only, only cool music. Only allowed. cool music allowed. Uh, no, and especially if, if uh, you get this idea of like DIY music and uh, what I said before, where uh, I just want to capture the energy. I don't really care about performance and quality that much. Uh, if that resonates with you, please hit me up because that's all that matters to me is just capturing music and making like you know making good music. Uh, and having said that. I want to make a video session with like a harsh noise musician. If anybody's listening that does like harsh noise wall stuff or just anything, you know, orchestrated noise, weird noise jams, I don't care. If you're just fucking around with pedals, like uh, uh, if you just have like a, uh, what do you call them? No input mixer or something, you know, like something like this. I fuck with that. Please send me, send me something, you know, I, you can hit me up wherever, you know, I'd love to do a video with you. Right. Cool. Hopefully, I'm, yeah. I, w- I would love to see that actually. And there are plenty of musicians in Berlin that do that. Actually. I know, I know. It's for me, it's more of a challenge because I've been doing bands, you yeah. know, and like it's easy for camera work at least, and like pan the camera to the drummer, you know. Now it's a guitarist, now it's a bassist, you know. Um, in this case, you just pan the camera onto the mixer. Yeah, exactly. It's just like knob one, knob yeah. two. What does this one do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just capture the moving air. Yeah, capture the moving air. How hard can that be? (laughs) It's just a shy kid with like their little mixer board there. It's like not barely moving or anything. And it's like making the sickest noise in the world. You know, it's like the camera movements and bedding is all insane. Yeah. Weird angle. (laughs) The guy's just barely moving. (laughs) No, if if you're a kid like that, please, please get in touch. (laughs) We're looking forward. All right. Thank you, Alex. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me.